Welcome to GE Vital Voices, where we help move the conversation and solutions forward. My name is Elna Schutz, and on this podcast, I speak to you, anybody who's interested in public health care in South Africa, but also beyond. And we have conversations here about what is really vital and affecting our healthcare workers. GE Healthcare is focused on precision health. Doctors, nurses and clinicians are often under-resourced and overburdened. And COVID-19 has brought this front and centre. Solving the industry's productivity challenges by improving access, enabling more precise patient diagnosis and treatment, shortening hospital stays and wait times, and lowering overall costs is more pressing now than ever. GE Healthcare is about delivering on the future of healthcare by enabling precision health, integrated, efficient, and highly personalized care. On today's episode, all of us who are alive know that for the last year and a bit, COVID-19 has been on the top of everyone's minds, particularly in the healthcare sector. But there is so much else that is happening, even though that focus is rightful. And today I just want to talk to you about all of the people who have chronic illnesses, non-communicable diseases, which of course is often called NCDs, and who really need medical care most of the time, and how this pandemic has affected those people, how they access their treatments, how they get diagnosed, and how the hyper-focus of the healthcare system on COVID has affected them. So we know that this is very critical in South Africa. So if you look at the top leading causes of disease in the country, it's diabetes, heart disease, and the normal suspects, unfortunately normal. If you look at just cancer, the National Association estimates that around 115,000 South Africans are diagnosed every year. So this is not a small issue. This is not a small problem. And that problem doesn't go away just because we have COVID-19. So regardless of which part of healthcare you are in, I think somewhere along the line, this should be important to you. So that's what I want to talk about today. And I have two experts with me to discuss what is happening, why, and what we should do about it. Firstly, I have Professor Andre Pascal Kengne, who is the director of the Non-Communicable Diseases, the NCD Research Unit at the South African Medical Research Council. He is also a professor at the Department of Medicine at the University of Cape Town. And then another person from Cape Town, Dr. Peter Delabal from the Chronic Disease Initiative for Africa, which is also at the University of Cape Town. And he has over two decades of experience in public health and sort of the system space. So I am aware that I have some really good voices with me. Thank you so much, both of you, for joining me. You're Thank you for having us on the program. So Prof. Kegne, let's start with you. Give us a bit of a broad overview of what has been happening with NCD patients and how they've been affected by the COVID-19 crisis. Okay, thank you, Elna. I think you rightly set up the scene by uh, highlighting the importance of uh, NCDs uh, in South Africa, but also at the global level, where they are currently uh, the leading cause of, of death and disease. I guess it, it is important to reemphasize the reciprocal relationship between, uh, between COVID-19 and NCD. 
I mean, in the sense that uh, having NCDs increase the chance of actually uh, suffering from severe COVID and eventually dying from the disease when you get infected. And on the other end, actually, COVID has indeed severely uh, affected uh, both the prevention, uh, diagnosis, and ongoing care of people with, uh, with, with, N- with NCDs. It's quite a complex relationship. And to really try to understand uh, how COVID-19 affected NCD, I guess you got to think chronologically because we're really caught by surprise by this condition where, when basically the health system was not prepared at all to, I mean, to handle the crisis of the COVID. And that alone already, I mean, having to quickly uh, rechannel both healthcare resources to potentially cater for the surge of COVID cases brought about a lot of disruption in the provision of care for NCD, at least, at least initially. But over time, as, as, I think as we go through successive wave, maybe we, uh, we, we learn increasingly and there is less anxiety. And I think we're sort of coming to the, to the situation where we're able to go handle both uh, uh, NCDs, but also COVID. But I mean, to, to speak to the detail, uh, in terms of the, the segment of, NC, of NCD af- affected by COVID, you got to think of primary and secondary prevention where, uh, where basically, at least at the, at the start, those sort of activity were given less, less priorities. In, in, the, in the sense that actually the screening for NCD used what we call mostly opportunistic approaches, meaning actually people getting in contact with the health system for other diseases or for, or for other purposes get screened to actually eventually detect those who've got NCDs. Now, with the, with the COVID starting and then with all the lockdown, obviously, people are no longer uh, uh, reported to health facility, at least when it's not a severe disease. So many actually mm-hmm. were missing that, 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 that opportunity. That's for the case of, of screening. Then uh, now coming to the to ongoing treatment, I guess the issue was about actually how do you possibly keep on treatment those already diagnosed with NCD. And actually, that's where the challenge was initially with the healthcare system having to quickly adapt. And uh, strategy were, I mean, were really different across settings. Within Cape Town, for instance, the approach consisting of making sure that the supply of chronic medication is not interrupted. And, and in that regard, I think the system mostly rely on the community health workers who are sent to the, to the, to the community to, del- to deliver me- medication to people with, uh, with NCD so that actually, they, they, I mean, they continue to receive that med- those, med- those medication and eventually do not develop uh, the, the, the chronic complication of their own condition. So I, I guess, I mean, those are, those are few, few of the measures. And uh, obviously, as I've said, over time, with more understanding of actually uh, the interaction with, between the, the disease and the prevention, it's increasingly possible to allow people to, with NCDs to continue to have access to care while also addressing the need for COVID. But you also got to still to understand this, the issue of actually the perception of the community. I think uh, with, with COVID-19, hospital is increasingly seen as a high-risk environment. And in, the, in that regard, with people increasingly not reporting to the, fa- to the facility, maybe to sc- for screening or also for ongoing care for the NCDs. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Dr. Jalabal, I can see you nodding and really connecting 
with this as am I and we're hearing problems in people not getting screened, not getting diagnosed. That's a big question mark for me. What does that mean, you know, down the line, especially in terms of cancers, but also other diseases and then people not wanting to stay and not wanting to go to the hospital. I'm also really interested in what it actually meant in the hospital section that we are putting our resources, obviously focusing on COVID-19. What about those resources that are needed in surgeries that might have been cancelled, etc.? How big of a problem are we looking at here? Well, it is difficult to estimate the, the size of the problem. But um, as my colleague Prof. Kangli has rightly pointed out, there has indeed been a, a serious disruption to the system. But that was quickly followed up, basically, especially in the Western Cape, which is only uh, the place for which I can speak. Because after the de-escalation of services, there was a quick sort of reorganization of services that was being put in place. We've done some studies amongst local primary care level in, in local clinics. And we found that people were really finding innovative ways to bypass some of the obstacles that were encountered, especially like what Prof. Kenny pointed out, also the lack of um, chronic medication, people not coming to the facility anymore for fear of infection. Also, the, the, the fact that they were asked, basically, to go back home, so they could not visit uh, the facility. Basically, all non-essential, non-acute um, consultations were being put on the hold, so meaning that people were staying home. But they were served by community health workers who took this on as an, uh, an added role. So they had an expanded scope of practice, if you want. And that was a very successful story, especially in the, over here. There was a lot of appreciation also from uh, the people for that added service that may want us or may want us to think about, you know, the, the, the new normal, if you want, post-COVID, even what's going to happen later. It's like a maybe a sustainable strategy or not. But that, that is another story. You ask about the impact of, uh, yes, on other services. There has obviously been impact on, for example, elective surgeries. There has been reports of people, uh, of surgeons uh, in hospitals reporting an increased number of, for example, um, stage four cancers because of the late diagnosis, people that were not consulting early enough and that were not screened and picked up. So there has definitely been an impact on that side. In terms of the other chronic diseases, we are mostly following the people with the, the, the most typical comorbidities or diabetes and hypertension, people with high sugar and high blood. Now, these people, obviously, they needed to be uh, controlled. Normally, they would attend facility-based or community-based chronic disease clubs. Now, then, that whole system somehow ceased to, did not cease to exist, but it stopped. So people were missing out on those opportunities for risk factor monitoring, if you want. What we saw in the primary care clinics is that maybe the number of uncontrolled diabetics would go up. But that is basically, or according to what we think, because of the fact that people who are less controlled showed up selectively at the facilities because the other ones did not show up. So there was like a, a disproportionate sort of uh, impact on, on, on the system. But whether it COVID would have had an, an overall impact on uh, on diabetes control, for example. That is difficult to say. One would have to do aggregate analysis to see if there's like a correlation between the lack of service delivery or continued uptake of services and the diabetes control, for example. So it is difficult to estimate, to be honest. Prof. Kingnet, do you think there are long-term concerns here? Or is this just something that happened with the pandemic and we can sort of go on as normal in chronic care? I think there are long-term concerns in terms of at least of the impact of COVID or the measure to mitigate COVID. 
on uh, the, the future burden of, of, N, of NCDs. Because, I mean, for instance, with the extended lockdown, people have obviously um, changed their lifestyle. For instance, decreased physical activity, unhealthy eating. And you do expect a number of them to, uh, to pick up the risk factor for, for NCDs. So, I mean, I would not be surprised to see, for instance, a, a bit of increase in the burden of, let's say, diabetes, hypertension, or, or obesity. As a result, as a consequence of actually uh, uh, the measure imposed on the population to limit the, to limit this, the, uh, the, 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 the spread of, of this of this condition, but of, of what magnitude? That's those are things we're going to maybe explore of, over time and, of, and understand further. Yeah, um, going back to you, Dr. Jabal. So we've talked about all of these different things, but what can we really do? We don't really know what the effect will be long term on patients and the healthcare system, but are there things that the system or individuals as healthcare workers can do to protect the future of people with um, NCDs and chronic illnesses in the country? Well, I think COVID has taught us a few things. Uh, after the disruption, there has been like that space for innovation. And there's been quite a, a few interesting initiatives that have been rolled out and have been tried and tested. One will also see in the international literature that what happened globally is that there was a much greater emphasis on aspects of telemedicine and telehealth, for example, following up on them chronic care and management, but from a distance. And that is something that uh, is worth exploring further uh, going forwards. And not only for high-income countries, because that is obviously where the bulk of the, uh, the telemedicine is taking place, but also for lower and middle-income countries, including South Africa. And even in the Western Cape, there have been some interesting initiatives. First, to identify people at high risk, for example, diabetics with a high risk of uh, being uncontrolled and of getting COVID-19. Um, these people were actively contacted and summoned or referred to the hospital for almost preemptive sort of uh, treatment or monitoring. And that really has helped a lot in terms of trying to bring the, uh, the mortality and the morbidity uh, down at uh, initial stages in the, during the first wave. There's been other innovations as well, as Prof. Kengli pointed out, there's been the home-based delivery of medication, which obviously required recruiting an additional number of CHWs, and that comes at an extra cost. Uh, so going forward, whether that is sustainable or not still remains to be seen, but it is certainly an avenue worth exploring further. There's also been much more emphasis on data management. The Western Cape especially has learned a lot in, in terms of how to manage real-time data. They had the COVID-19 dashboards and they have been able to inform that, for example, the uh, joint operational committees who are dealing with the uh, the COVID outbreak in terms of the Disaster Management Act of how to plan their activities based on that information sharing. So there's a much broader culture of sharing information, uh, sharing data instead of sitting in uh, silos within government pockets, for example. Now it has been shared across the board. That is one thing. And the other thing is also in a, on a more soft people's skills level, the fact that there has been increased communication between people, not only between facility-based and community-based health providers, for example, but also between healthcare providers and patients, even using informal WhatsApp groups that has been proven very useful. Booking appointments have been changed. Uh, there has been a whole, somehow, a reorganization of the way things were done and are done, and that may be taken forward uh, even after COVID-19, because it has shown the impact of that 
sense of togetherness through that improved communication that has helped people, especially the ones with chronic diseases who are anxious to go to facilities, who are defaulting on the treatment of uh, sticking that to to their, to their schemes and remain controlled. So there's obviously some lessons that have been learned. Mm. Well, I think I walked into this conversation expecting lots of bad news and we have covered some of it. There is obviously going to be an effect. Um, there has been, and I, I think unfortunately we will probably see that going forward um, in things like our cancer numbers. But I'm very happy to hear that good things have come from it too. Um, Prof. Kenge, do you want to add anything particularly around what we can do going forward? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think Peter has elaborated a lot on innovation around COVID. And I want to, to come from the policy perspective to recognize that there's an opportunity in the sense that COVID has increased the profile of, N of NCDs which basically were a very neglected condition in the country in particular. I think we all understand the importance now of addressing NCD, both uh, I mean ac ac across the lifespan, including prevention, early detection, uh, treatment and control. So it's really a matter now of how do we capitalize on that opportunity to make sure that going, fo going forward, those conditions are no longer neglected. Are fully addressed, and, and I mean, I'm really looking forward to. I mean, to what is going to come out from the next um, UN high-level meeting, which is which will be in, in two or three years, and what's going to be at the focus. But I do expect that it's going to be a bit of more attention on NCD, including the involving country, and that to, that to me is again. Yeah, mm. and exciting. I am going to end off as I do each episode by asking both of you what the one thing is, whether we've covered it up till now or not, that you would really want public health care workers in South Africa and beyond to take away from this conversation. It's the importance of actually uh, uh, remaining creative. I think that's what we learned through, through COVID. The, uh, I mean, the, the, the static type of uh, healthcare delivery, I mean, it's, it's gone now. We've got to be recreating ourselves all the time to, to remain relevant. That's all I can say. Dr. Delebao? The same goes for me. I would say COVID has not only been a curse, but also a blessing to some extent, because it has created windows of opportunity and pockets of innovation that should really be taken to heart in the new normal. Mm. This has been such a balanced conversation, uh, some reality checks, but then also some hope. Uh, thank you so much, both of you, for having it with me. I've been speaking to Professor Andre Pascal Kangne, the Director of the Non-Communicable Diseases Research Unit at the South African Medical Research Council, as well as Dr. Peter de Labelle from the Chronic Disease Initiative for Africa at UCT. Thank you so much, both of you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. My name is Eleanor Schutz, and you have been listening to GE Vital Voices. We release new episodes every month, and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Healthcare has never been more accessible, intelligent, or dynamic. It's also never been under more pressure. That's where GE Healthcare comes in. You and we, the clinicians and professionals on the front lines of delivering healthcare for your patients and communities. Also, those building the intelligent devices, data analytics, applications and services to enable you to do so more efficiently and with better outcomes. Together, we're at the center of an ecosystem, striving for precision health. 
Find out more on gehealthcare.africa. And we're all over those social media platforms, whichever ones you're on, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. You can find us under GE Africa. Till next time.